Welcome to the Gridiron Icon Podcast, where we tackle all things American football. Each week, we huddle with players, coaches, and fans at every level of the game to capture all the sights, sounds, and experiences of the gridiron. And now, fresh off the end of the bench, here's your host, Stacy Bauman. Welcome to Gridiron Icon. Let's talk some football. It has been a busy last 10 days in the football world, particularly in the NFL, as well as college, high school starting to ramp up for the fall season. But we're going to focus a little bit more on the NFL this week. It has been a busy week, and we would be remiss if we didn't mention the situation with Richard Sherman, hoping that he gets any kind of help that he needs. That certainly was a scary situation for him and his family. And while we tend to stay away from that kind of stuff at Gridiron Icon, we definitely want to send out well wishes to him. I think everybody needs to remember he's done a lot in his community, not only in Seattle and in San Francisco, but he's also from the Los Angeles area originally. He does a tremendous amount of work to support youth football and many other charities and things that he supports. And he's a smart guy. We feel bad for the situation that happened with him and his family the other night, and we're hoping that things iron out. I'm positive they will. So sending good vibes to Richard Sherman. But as of this morning, really big news in the NFL world. Probably the biggest story impacts my favorite team, which I'm very open about. The Los Angeles Rams couldn't be more bummed out to find that Cam Akers are starting Running back and future superstar has torn his Achilles tendon and will miss the 2021 season. Rams fans, how do you feel about this? I couldn't be more sick to wake up to this news this morning. Now, that's not to say that we don't have some great running backs sitting in the wings, particularly Daryl Henderson, who I think people have really bizarrely just kind of forgotten about. And when he's in the game and healthy, he's a home run hitter. So I'm really excited for Daryl, but couldn't be more sick for Cam, who really was becoming the face of the franchise and the biggest part of our running game. So news this morning out of Los Angeles, Cam Akers has torn his Achilles tendon. Rams fans are collectively sick this morning to get that news. I'm sure there's some fantasy football people too who are really counting rather on Cam being a heavy impact player in fantasy football, but we're going to have to wait till next season as sickening as that is. So sending, of course, good vibes, healing to Cam, who we think is a future star. We saw his impact on the Rams offense late last year, and he certainly showed what a stud he could be. So Cam Akers, get well, man. Absolutely sick to hear this, but it can only make you stronger. Brings up a lot of good questions, like who they might bring in to shore up that running back room. We saw it a few years ago with Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson. We've got Daryl Henderson, as mentioned, who is a home run hitter. If you haven't watched his college highlights at Memphis and saw him in action, even last year, early on last year, before Cam started moving more into the lineup, Daryl Henderson is a stud. Do not sleep on him, and he's going to play a big role in this offense. But boy, is that Rams running back room changed without Gurley, without Malcolm Brown, and now without Cam Akers. 
So a lot to digest there for Rams fans. The other big news, and we've been talking about it for weeks on this channel, is the news regarding Aaron Rodgers. And this morning, Adam Schefter sharing that they actually offered, they being the Green Bay Packers, offered Aaron a gigantic contract that would have made him the highest paid quarterback and player in the NFL. And Aaron turned it down. It would have made him a Packer for another five years if he went the length of the contract. But again, Aaron Rodgers turned it down. So we're seeing that he sticks to his principles. He's got an idea of what he wants. He's got an idea of what he does not like in Green Bay, which seems to point towards the front office. Aaron Rodgers is not in camp or reporting to Green Bay or throwing with his wide receivers. He did indicate a week or two ago that he's going to enjoy some time off and then get back to the grind, but he did not commit to Green Bay long-term. So very interesting as we continue to watch the Aaron Rodgers drama unfold. I know Denver Bronco fans feel like there's a really good chance he could end up a Bronco. I don't see it. I continue to not see it. I think Aaron Rodgers will be a Packer for life. I think they just need to iron out whatever it is that's grinding his gears because there's something to be offered that kind of money and a long-term contract at this stage in your career. He is the NFL MVP, folks. But to be offered that and to turn it down, there's clearly something that he does not like with that organization. So stay tuned. Another week goes by and with the Aaron Rodgers watch, the NFL MVP continues. But now he's turning down big money, so stay tuned. This week we want to talk a little bit in our way too early predictions about the AFC North. We're going to continue with this division by division leading up to training camp and past training camp all the way up to kickoff. Of course, the NFL is expanding this year with 17 games, so there's a lot to talk about leading up to kickoff in September. But we're going to focus in this week on the AFC North, which is really becoming a tough, tough division with some of the perennial losers or seller dwellers really making moves to be better football teams. And it's great to see. This is why the NFL is so great. The parody. Every year, somebody's got a shot. It's so different than other leagues. So let's talk about the AFC North this week. We're going to give our predictions and what we think most of that division hinges on. Of course, last year in 2020, the Pittsburgh Steelers took the division, but at the end, they looked to be faltering. And of course, they laid an egg leading into the playoffs. And they've got some stiff competition in the AFC North. The Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns, and even the Cincinnati Bengals agree or disagree with what they may have done in the draft. So that division looks like an up-and-coming division. And it's very, very interesting when you look at the AFC North to, in my opinion, we're starting to see what is really one of the NFL's top franchises, the Pittsburgh Steelers, start to slide. And as you look back over the last few seasons, players coming out and griping about the culture and, of course, taking into consideration who those players were. We get it. You've got Antonio Brown and the problems surrounding his stay there and, and exit. You've got Le'Veon Bell 
his stay there and his exit. Uh, Le'Veon has not seen the success after leaving the Steelers that Antonio Brown has because he had Tom Brady in his corner bringing him into Tampa. Now he's a Super Bowl champion, which I'm sure does not sit well with Steelers fans. Or maybe it does. Just depends on if you love Antonio Brown or not. But the Steelers look to be a team in decline. Agree? Ben Roethlisberger and a lot of people are looking at him as one of the reasons for the possibility that the Steelers take a step back in 2021. But Ben Roethlisberger has recommitted himself to his body, to losing weight, to being in better shape. As we're starting to see a real handful of quarterbacks in their late 30s re-examining what it is they do on the football field and off the football field and how they take care of themselves. I mean, look at the superstars that are continuing to play football late into their 30s and, of course, Brady into his 40s. We already mentioned Aaron Rodgers. You got Ben Roethlisberger. We did, of course, lose Drew Brees from the Saints, and that's going to be really weird to watch in New Orleans this next year. But Drew saw a list of his injuries. Brady has come out and had a torn MCL in his 40s, played the whole season and won a Super Bowl. Roethlisberger seems to be following suit. He's taking better care of himself. He wants to extend his playing career. But there's a lot of people that feel that he may be the problem with that offense. He certainly has the wide receivers in Pittsburgh. He's got a good young stable of wide receivers with Juju returning, Johnson, some of the others. But I think where the problem lies in Pittsburgh is much, much more important and more dramatic. And that's along the offensive line. And that's why I think that the Steelers are going to take a step back in 2021. They had a great draft with Najee Harris. He could be a superstar, but you have to almost feel for the guy when you take a look at the changes along the Steelers' offensive line. It's dramatic. They've almost gutted that entire room in one offseason. Just a few weeks ago, they got rid of David DeCastro, who was a pro bowler along that front. Marquise Pouncey has retired. They also let left tackle Alejandro Villanueva leave. And even guard Matt Filer, who most people aren't even talking about, has left. They've essentially gutted that offensive line. Now, they did bring in Trey Turner almost dramatically. He made a visit. They signed him, got him in there. And most people see uh, Chukawuma Orkafor at left tackle, but he was one of the lowest rated players by pro football focus on the 2020 unit. How are the Steelers going to recover when they've lost so much along the line of scrimmage? I think that's going to be the downfall of the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. And that's not even with considering what they lost on defense. They lost Bud Dupree, who's gone, opposite T.J. Watt. How are the Steelers going to recover from that? I think that's something to watch. And I don't see them repeating as division champions in 2021. I think they've lost way too much along the line of scrimmage. And I think it's going to show. Now, they did just sign Melvin Ingram this week and teaming him up on defense. And I think that that's going to be very, very interesting to watch and see how he does uh, in that defense, particularly opposite T.J. Watt. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how they recover 
without Bud Dupree, who was really someone they drafted and brought in as a pass rush specialist who now is gone. So you look at Melvin Ingram, TJ Watt on the defensive side of the ball, certainly nothing to frown at. They can make a move. But I still think the Steelers' hopes fall on the offensive side of the ball. I think Roethlisberger has certainly seen somewhat of a decline. But that offensive line, I think, is the story of 2021 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're looking at it really at this point in the way too early prediction department, a patchwork offensive line in Pittsburgh. That's a dramatic change, set of changes to make for a football team that loves to run the ball and just drafted a rookie running back, despite the fact that that running back is obviously very talented. So that's what we're keeping an eye on with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the AFC North. I think that there's some questions that need to be answered there. We'll probably learn a lot in training camp or in preseason, but that offensive line, I think, is where the Steelers will take a step back, despite the fact that Roethlisberger is recommitting himself to the game, particularly on the physical side of the ball. The Ravens in the AFC North. What do we make of Baltimore at this point, particularly when we look at Lamar Jackson and what he's accomplished. The 2019 MVP definitely took a step back last year. Now, in fairness to him, if you took a look at what some of his weapons were on the offensive side of the ball, many people would question where they, they were committed to getting him the types of playmakers that he needed last year. And again, we saw them falter in the playoffs. We know Jackson is a stud. He's the former MVP. We know that he can change a game with his legs. The questions remain, can he win a game from the pocket? The Ravens went out and got him the type of weapons that would seem to say that they're committed to his success long-term, especially when they're looking at at a contract-type year coming up rapidly for him. Sammy Watkins, they brought in on the free agent side of the ball and then in the draft, drafting Rashad Bateman in the first round. And then doubling down later on in the fourth round with Tillon Wallace. They're definitely bringing in guys with speed to pair with Hollywood Brown, who was a little bit injured, but when he was playing, was dynamic on the field, and certainly Jackson looked his way in the passing game. But still, the biggest guy on offense, you've got to believe in Baltimore, and if they want to make a push for the top of that division is Mark Andrews, the tight end, who is easily one of the top five, if not top 10, arguably tight ends in the NFL. So Jackson has the type of weapons in the passing game to be successful. And in my my personal take, I think that they're going to overtake the Steelers this year. I think this is the year. I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way, but I think that the Ravens can make a push. They certainly have what it takes on the defensive side of the ball, particularly with Humphrey and Peters on the corners. They have what it takes to cover those Steelers wide receivers, to cover those Browns wide receivers. And now looking at the Bengals to cover those guys, they've got some really good young wide receivers in Cincinnati now that are going to cause some problems in future years. But the Ravens have what it takes along both sides of the balls and both sides of the ball, (laughs) excuse me, 
<laughs> and that's without even talking about J.K. Dobbins, their running back, who's a stud. And well, with Mark Ingram exiting and going down to Houston, Dobbins has an opportunity to really take over that role as he did really for the most part last year and show them that he's in every down back for many years to come. The Ravens look like a team that if they're ever going to jump through that window and take this division, this is it. Because the competition behind them is getting a lot tougher. So I picked the Ravens to probably overtake the Steelers. I really think the Steelers are going to take a step back in this division, that it's the Ravens division to lose based on not only their talent, but also their experience. They've been to the playoffs. They've gotten kicked from the playoffs. Jackson is an MVP. He's got a new set of skill receivers. If Watkins can stay healthy and Marquise Brown can stay healthy, we know Mark Andrews is going to show up every week and J.K. Dobbins is going to pound the rock. This is the Ravens division to lose at this point. But let's talk about the upstarts. And I think that it's time that those teams in Ohio got some love because what the Cleveland Browns did in this offseason is nothing short of outstanding. I think that they may have had one of the best offseasons in the NFL. And that includes the way that they drafted. I think they got one of the steals of the draft. And they really went out and tried to shore up the defensive side of the ball. And why wouldn't they? The AFC, outside of just the North, has become a powerhouse on offense. You get to the playoffs like the Browns did at 11-5 and five last year, same record as the Ravens, and you're still going to face people like the Kansas City Chiefs. You're still going to face people like the Buffalo Bills. You could easily be facing the Los Angeles Chargers the way they look. So they went out and they got defense, and that's where they suffered a little bit more during the playoff run last year and even throughout the regular season. Even at 11-5, and five, if you were going to point a finger at where the Browns may have faltered a bit, it was probably more on the defensive side of the ball. And that is where they went out and put in a lot of work. They added Jadavian Clowney to go with Miles Garrett. He's great. You've got to account for him. Has he been everything that a number one pick would be? I think most people would say no. But you better account for him when he decides to turn it up a notch. And they got Miles Garrett on the other side of the ball. But where I'm really impressed with the Cleveland Browns is what they did in their defensive backfield. Now, they killed my team, the Los Angeles Rams. They went and took our superstar defensive backfield, two of the members in Troy and in John Johnson the third, Troy Hill, that is, excuse me, who was our best nickel corner, played the slot, had several turnovers, including for touchdowns. John Johnson was one of the arguably one of the leaders of the Rams, very highly rated defense, and is an absolute stud on the back end, not only as a tackler, but in coverage. Losing John Johnson will impact the Rams, and it's going to impact the Browns. They got a real stud to lead that defensive backfield room in what was already really talented with several t- second and third year players. But one of the things that I think has gone overlooked with the Browns is their draft. They got an absolute steal in Notre Dame linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa in the second round out of Notre Dame. They also added Tack McKinley and Anthony Walker and added defensive tackle Malik Jackson. The Browns look serious. And it would not surprise me 
If they beat up on the Steelers twice this year, I could see them splitting one with Baltimore and making a run at this division crown. I think the Browns are set to be one of the surprise teams of 2021. And that's mostly because of what they did on defense. Now, their offense is already stellar. They have probably the best running back room, one-two punch in football with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Two absolute studs. Kareem Hunt would be starting on most other teams, aside from his problems. Brown's going out and bringing him in to spell Nick Chubb, who was arguably top five running back in the NFL, was brilliant. It looks like a brilliant move from a football perspective, whether you agree with the social impact of that. But Kareem Hunt's been a good soldier. He's played great football. And how do you stop that two-headed monster? And then on the edges, of course, you've got Jarvis Landry and OBJ. Baker Mayfield has developed and continues to develop, and he may end up being the perfect quarterback for that bunch. He really has, for all the critical remarks about Baker, he has a lot of that Brett Favre-esque vibe, style. I think the Browns could make a very serious run at the division crown this year. I think the Steelers, as I mentioned, take a step back. I think the Browns will sweep the Steelers this year. And I think it comes down to them splitting one with Baltimore. Or can they actually overtake Baltimore? It's not out of the realm of question. I mean, Baltimore is an injury away from being a very average team, particularly the Lamar Jackson on offense. But the Browns on defense have played serious football, and they're making a move this year. One of my dark horses in the entire NFL this year is the Cleveland Browns. I think people are sleeping on them. I think that they're a little too tough on Baker in many cases. And I think that he's done nothing but rise, particularly last year. And I think he's got that Farvesque thing going, folks. So watch for the Cleveland Browns to make a run at this title uh, for the AFC North. One of my dark horses for the whole season. Let's talk about the Bengals just really quick. Joe Burrow returns. Joe Burrow is going to be a great football player. My concern at this point is that he doesn't end up to be Carson Palmer, where he's got a ton of talent and he spends five, six years in Cincinnati getting beat up. I think one of the most controversial things of the draft was the fact that they passed on Panay Sewell and brought in Jamar Chase. This is not a dig on Jamar Chase, who is going to be a stud in the NFL. Teaming him with Tyler Boyd, uh, teaming him with that receiving room is just going to make them dynamic. But Joe Burrow was getting beat to death. He was getting beat to death last year. He was on pace for a 4,500-yard, 24-touchdown rookie campaign, but got hit so much ended up tearing an ACL, a badly played torn ACL. And you have to really wonder in Cincinnati if giving him another playmaker instead of giving him that protection isn't going to come back to haunt them. I mean, Panay Sewell looks like a generational left tackle in the NFL. Now, they did add Riley Reef. They went later in the second round and got Jackson Carmen out of Clemson. So they made some sort of a commitment to the offensive line to protecting Burrow, who has all the talent in the world. But did they do enough? You could see a season in 2021 where they improve 
Should they be able to keep Joe Burrow upright and healthy? But you get the feeling that they're going to be handing that rock to Joe Mixon a lot. And that offensive line is iffy to average at best based on what we saw last year, even with the addition, excuse me, of Riley Rafe and Jackson Carmen. It wouldn't be shocking to see the Bengals make a move after cuts or post-training camp to bring in a veteran, take a look at who's available at that point to plug in at some of the key positions along the offensive line, particularly along or at the left tackle position, which would have been absolutely great for Panay Sewell. But they passed and went with Jamar Chase, who has got all the talent in the world. It just has that feeling of Carson Palmer, A.J. Green, Carson Palmer, O.J. Cinco, Carson Palmer, T.J. Hushmanzada. You can see that in the wide receiver room in Cincinnati, and you've got a quarterback who really has that similar skill set and talent. A little bit of runner, although now with the ACL, you got to worry about that a little bit more with Joe Burrow. But why does it feel like that? You've got to build some stuff along the offensive line. For Joe Burrow, you've got to protect him. He was sacked 32 times and fumbled nine times. That's got to come down if they're going to make a move in what is a very tough division now, the AFC North. So I think the Bengals have the talent to get there. I actually expect them to improve my armchair quarterback prediction in 2021. I see the Bengals improving, but they've got to do more. The Browns have made a commitment to this, to winning this division. The Bengal, or excuse me, the Ravens are making a commitment to win this division and overtake the Steelers. So I see an AFC North in 2021 that is going to be dynamic. You're going to see probably two playoff teams come out of that division, especially with expanded wildcard formatting. I think the Browns and the Ravens are the class of that division. I expect the Steelers to take a step back. I expect the Bengals to improve, but not enough. Not enough to compete in 2021 with Cleveland or Baltimore. Agree? Disagree? Very, very, very much the way too early predictions on the AFC North. But we're making them as we're leading up to training camp. We're getting into that dry spell in football, particularly in the NFL, as we lead up to training camp. Hate to see these injuries. Hate to see these off-season stories. So we're going to keep making these predictions. We're going to look at the NFC North next week, make some bold prognostications on where we think that could land. But there's our look at the AFC North, the way-too-early look at the AFC North. Agree? Disagree? Tell us. Comment at gridironicon.com. Join us on Instagram at gridiron underscore icon, or you can find us on Twitter at icon gridiron. But we want to hear from the fans. We want to hear if you agree or disagree, particularly in my case, I want to know what you think about those Cleveland Browns. Can they overtake Baltimore and Pittsburgh and win this division? God, that would be great for the city of Cleveland and their fans. They've suffered long enough. Thanks for joining us. Again, give us your feedback. We're always open to hearing about that. And we will see you next week on Gridiron Icon.